Hey, do you enjoy Geeks of Grimdark? Do you wish we produced more Warhammer content? Well, check out our ongoing series with this week's sponsor, Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Axel and I have a reoccurring series with host Chris Shipman, where we introduce him to 40k factions, one at a time. And once you're all caught up with that, check out all the rest of his amazing interviews on your favorite podcasting site today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... God damn it, the NPR voice is back. Hey, I went from smooth jazz back to NPR. I'll probably transition back to smooth jazz. I just didn't feel like moving my microphone close to my face, and I need it close to my face to do the smooth jazz voice. So. Oh, it's still deeply disturbing. Well, guess what? Deal with it, because it's fun and I like it. <laughs> we haven't had any complaints, so we'll allow it. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing today, Ulrich? I mean, you've kind of already told me before, but tell us again. Uh, pretty good. I watched Antlers tonight, and I really liked it. Yeah, I envy you, then. I think you went into it with the wrong expectations. I mean, are you not bothered by the fact that the thing is only on screen for, like, a minute through the whole movie and then gets killed by a pipe? No, because that's not what it's about. Then they shouldn't have called it Antlers! Anyway. <laughs> You're missing the deeper metaphor. No, no, I get the metaphor. It's just boring. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know, I thought it was atmospheric as hell. Well, anyway, I, I did all my thoughts on that when we talked about it in our movies of 2021. So I'm glad you enjoyed it and have your enjoyment. So <laughs> anyway, this is, uh, do we do a patron sound off for Bucklers? Do we do a patron? Everything gets a patron sound off that's not on Patreon. All right. Hey, it's time for a patron sound off. These are the people who actually give us money every month to do what we do, which is fucking awesome. And so the least we could do is say your names to give you our gratitude. They are. Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Fay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Nathan Willis, Patrick Anderson, Karsten ML, and Scott Rubin. And if you would like to become a patron joining the Lustrious Legion, just head, actually, you're part of the Lustrious Legion either way, but if you'd like to become a patron, you can head on over to our Patreon at Geeks with Shields. A dollar a month is like 25 cents an episode or less because sometimes we put out more stuff. Uh, and it, anything helps. It goes a long way towards helping us. Anyway. Ulrich, what are we talking about today? We are trying out something new because we live in the age of innovation. We're going to talk about movies we like and why we like them. And to christen it, we're going to let Axel here talk about a movie he likes and why he likes it. And then you can judge him based on that choice. So I was told about this literally a couple minutes ago. So I pulled up. I have been in the background working on making a 100 favorite movies of all time list for myself. And I actually got 100 movies listed, and I had to cut some stuff. So I, I'm good so far, but I still can add more. And so I just pulled it up, and I looked at my top 10, and I'm like, let's pick something from within here. But number one, no, we've talked about that before. My number two, we've talked about that a lot. My number three, we've argued about a lot. My number four was on a recent years list. Number five, perfect. We've mentioned it a couple times in suggestions, but I don't know if we've talked about it in depth. And that is Dread. Ooh, okay. I was afraid you were going to do... Uh, I won't say the one I was afraid you were going to do. Anyway, so yeah, Dread is number five on my list of my 100 favorite movies as of this recording, and is an amazing, heavily underappreciated movie that uh, Carl Urban killed it in, and it is a crime that it didn't succeed and we didn't get a sequel to it. <laughs> yeah, 
Now, this one, much like Antlers, I think suffered from a bad marketing campaign. I suppose. It probably doesn't help that it has a connection to a terrible Sylvester Stallone movie that was also adapted from the same material. Yeah, for, people like that one. Well, there's a there's a cult following for that one. Uh, you can like it. It doesn't mean it's good. I like no, some bad movies, too. It, ha- it has a cult following, and the minute you get a cult following, that means you can never be remade. That's too bad. Well, so for anyone who doesn't know, Dread is based on a comic, a uh, British comic, I believe, actually, uh, Judge Dread, that's actually been going on in real time since, like, the early 80s. When I say in real time, I, I found out recently – the character of Judge Dredd currently in the comics, which are ongoing right now, is in like his 70s or something. But they've got future tech, so he's still, you know, is a tough badass guy. But it evolves in real time. But anyway, not the point. The point is, it takes place in a post-apocalyptic future. Something happened. I don't know the details. I know that the comics actually go into more details about what happened. But something happened, and all the populace has basically been shoved into a collection of mega cities. These cities are each larger than, like, several United States states put together, but they're, like, super densely compact cities. And crime is super rampant because it's, you know, post-apocalypse. Everyone's living on top of each other. Yeah, everyone's living on top of each other. Post-apocalypse scarcity is really high. People just don't have stuff. So there is a police force call, uh, called the, the Hall of Justice and the Judges. Judges are – because they basically don't have time for bureaucracy. There's too much crime. So a judge is a cop, a soldier, a judge, an actual judge, a jury, and executioner all in one. Their job is they go out and they have unilateral power to to seek out – and deliver justice wherever they see fit. There are corrupt judges. That's the thing that happens. But generally speaking, the Hall of Justice is pretty hardcore, pretty, honestly, pretty fascist. But Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there are bad judges, but this is a fascist dystopia. I mean, the line of good, bad is very, very murky. Yeah, but our main character in the world, whether you're in the comic or either movie, is a judge named Dredd, who is incorruptible absolutely incorruptible he for reasons that i don't fully know because i haven't read the comic i just read about it he fully believes in the idea of justice and justice how the hall of justice taught him so he's like the best judge in existence essentially but even with judges they still only i think the movie says that they can only respond to something like three percent of all yeah, crime it's some tiny number yeah, they're just Again, it's a dystopia. Everyone's getting murdered all the time. Yeah, so there just aren't enough judges. And I'm telling you all this because if the numbers are to be said, even though this movie is well loved by the people who've seen it, not many people saw it for some reason. So in terrible trailer, and they you know it came out in the dead season. It was in like January, February at the time, and they hyped up it's in 3D, and everyone was just like, "Fuck 3D! I'm so tired of that gimmick. It gives me a headache." Now for the actual plot, because the the Judge Dredd movie from with Stallone in the 80s went into the like political machinations stuff that Judge <laughs> Dredd had to deal with in his in his comics. So we've got, admittedly, I saw that that movie once when I was a kid, and I didn't like it so i don't remember maybe it's better if i saw it now maybe i'd like it more all you know uh, yeah all you know is that it's kind of just a stallone vehicle and one thing too is that in the comics dread never takes off his helmet ever because who dread is doesn't matter 
he is supposed to be the face of justice. His helmet is his face. The reason why I thought Dread would be good to talk about right now is because I'm currently – I just finished The Mandalorian, and I'm watching Boba Fett. And the whole time I was watching Mandalorian, I was like, you know, if they could do it here with Pedro Pascal, they could do it with a television show with Dread. Give me Dread. So – Yeah, I but, don't know who currently owns the rights to that, but I anyway. really want that Dread series. It's long been rumored. Exactly. So now, the Carl Urban movie. First of all, just to get this out of the way, he never takes off his helmet. And it's awesome. And the amount of meaning and acting that Carl Urban can convey with just his mouth, like yep. just scowling and moving his lips in such a way that you get exactly what he's thinking at any given moment. Do you think like, his face got tired during this? Probably. I mean, look at – if you see him do his, like, frown – it's like such a big frown. He's got yeah, to like he's really really contort. working the jaw muscles. It must have been exhausting. Yeah, and and he has that he has a voice that hits that perfect tone of gravelly without feeling like he's trying too hard. Like yep. it just feels like a man who's who's tired but who's not willing to go to bed. You know, which that works so well in this dystopia. Damn it! I killed twelve people today, and I have to kill twelve more. When will this madness ever end? Now, the other decision that Dread the movie makes that is a really good decision is it simplifies everything plot-wise. Like, this is a crazy world with a very large set of ideas at play, but a very familiar set. The megacity is not very different from a lot of other dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff we've seen. But to understand, like, the Hall of Justice and all that, and it chooses to basically take all the political intrigue and the corruption stuff and shrink it all. Heavily. Some of that's still there, but this is a movie about a very simple job gone wrong. We've got Dread has uh, – the beginning of the movie is just him stopping, like, a carjacking, or it's, it's like a robbery or something. But Yeah, it's a robbery just to show off, you know, here's our action set piece. Here's what judges do. Yeah, here's the crime – exactly. The crime doesn't matter. The point is to introduce you to Dread and show you what he's about. At one point, a, a guy has a hostage, and Dread – just starts reading out his crimes like he's reading a police report or something and he reads them out and he says you know this would normally be you attacked a judge this would normally be death but i'm willing to give you life in an iso cube without parole which by the way they keep saying iso cube they don't explain what it is but iso probably means isolation and you're isolating a cube so solitary confinement for the rest of your life is uh cruelty and torture so but anyway not the point point is he's like all right i'll give you this and the and the guy says like I'm the one holding the gun and Dread Dread doesn't give him another shot he just shoots him in the head I mean he shoots him with a thermite bullet that melts through his mouth so yeah but anyway it's hardcore the the whole scene is just there to show you who Dread is what this world is after that the rest of the movie is he gets an apprentice or not a he 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 gets a, a rookie a rookie correction a rookie who is they don't know if they want to take her or not but she's a psychic again. Big idea. Let's introduce with one character. So we got a psychic, but and they want her to be a judge, even though she's not very good at the test stuff. So she gets to spend a day with him. And on that day, they go into a building called Peach Trees, which has got like 200 floors in it. It's basically a city in a building, and it's it's run by Lena Headey as Mama, who is a, a drug dealer who deals a drug called Slow Mo, where when you take it, you literally experience the world at like one fifth speed giving us an in-world reason for slow-motion scenes, which is insane and awesome. But anyway, she finds out that there's judges in there. The judges are going to 
take one of her like lieutenants in and he's going to spill everything and destroy her operation because she's actually been dealing slow-mo to a bunch of other buildings. So she locks the building down and there's the rest of her story. It's now dread and is a pre- and is a rookie against a building full of drug dealers. And if that sounds familiar to you, you probably saw the raid redemption, which has an extremely similar plot and came out like a month after dread. So they're basically happened at the same time. And honestly, the more I read into pop culture, that happens a lot, which is really funny. But if you like the raid, you'll also like dread. Whereas the raids are mostly about punching dreads a lot about shooting. So they know their markets. Yeah. But anyway, that's the, the loose, anything after that is just specifics. It's just about Carl Urban being amazing as the character. And even the, I wish I remembered the rookie girl's name because she actually kills it too. So hold on. I'm going to look real quick. I, think i know her name but i want to be sure yeah and of course lena hetty like this was i think this was what early game of thrones because this was like 20 uh, anderson and Anderson's, oh, anderson's the name of the, the rookie who apparently is a big deal in the comics but again i have no connection to it so they took oh, no. like the, what little they needed for this to work the comics it's its own thing like i've read what the plot what the plans were for the second and third one and they do kind of lean more into the comic stuff, and they do get kind of big in world building, and I don't know if that would have worked. Yes. No, no. Okay, let's look Let's look at The Raid, which does the same thing, but The Raid actually got a sequel, and The Raid sequel expanded out. It went from one building to a mafia organization that, that Rama had to infiltrate, and it was awesome. And basically, if Dredd did the same thing, but expanded out into the, just, the Hall of Justice and what's going on there, I think it would have been... That the sequel is where you expand out. The first movie mm-hmm. should be your simple, get us invested, get us hooked. Then you can start doing the the crazy world building in your second one. Oddly enough, that's something that the Warcraft movie got backwards. So, <laughs> <laughs> so first off, what is it about this movie that you like? Easy. Carl Urban and the actress playing Anderson and Lena Headey. Those three <laughs> act those three performances are amazing. Like, I feel like even when Game of Thrones went into the tubes. Everyone still recognized that Lena Headey kills it as Cersei. Like, she was an amazing actress, and she's good in basically anything she touches. I don't like when she was Sarah Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but that's mostly because I have very yeah. complicated feelings with Terminator. But it doesn't mean she was bad. She's still a good actress. It just wasn't a good script. But but in this I case— I like Sarah Connor Chronicles, but I agree with you on her casting. Yeah. But anyway, in this movie, she plays, like, one of the most hardcore— insane drug dealing like matrons because in in history there's actually a lot of examples of this being a real thing like women crime lords who have this like mom kind of relationship with their criminal people like you think it's a cliche but it does happen a lot oddly enough and and she's just got she's all scarred up and we see her like you know doing horrible things to people and just her performance is great implicate it's implied kind of sort of not really that she was a sex worker who finally had enough and then murdered her way to the top after probably biting off his junk it's very much i don't know if it's implied as much as i already said like that was when she snapped and said all right i've had enough of this i'm going to be in charge now fun fact originally the character of mama was supposed to be an old asian woman till she you know auditioned and they just changed the character from there you know that's understandable because i i think again lena hetty is one of the three reasons this thing really actually there's a lot of reasons this works it's just those are the first three that come to mind because well, also it's such the, a small movie that it really is reliant on your core cast 
Yeah, but you can't ignore the fact that the effects in this movie, I normally hate bringing up effects. I think that effects obfuscate real things that are actually interesting in the movies a lot. I I hate effects-driven conversations. But slow-mo and the use of slow-mo is done really well. Like, I remember getting slow-motion fatigue in a lot of movies. It was a thing there in the 2000s, folks. Like, like when Snyder hit it big, everyone had to do slow-mo. And so, in my opinion, if you're going to do slow-mo, you have to really justify it. And there are only a few movies that can pull it off, and this is definitely one of them. The fact that this is literally what these people are experiencing. So at one point when Dredd and Anderson bust through a door that into a room filled with like 10 dealers, and they all just toked up, and then we see from their perspective as the bullets start going through them, it's it's horrifying but also beautiful, and it just – it also works in universe of this is such a horrible dystopia. The drug is finding the happy moments and stretching them out for an eternity. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Lena Headey's great. Anderson is great. She's the most surprising turn, I would say, because I don't know that actress like at all. I've heard she's been in some other good stuff, but I don't know her at all. And in this movie, she has to draw. She has to. She has to do a very cliche thing in a very interesting way because her character is the naive rookie who has to become hardened and basically be a veteran by the end of it. And the way she gets there works really well. And she's really good at selling both sides of the character. Like in the beginning of the movie, you totally get that. Okay. She definitely wants to be a cop, but she's got that like, you know, first day on the job kind of vibe. She doesn't understand really what she's getting into. And she's got kind of a nice heart, a big heart. Maybe that's not going to help her in the situation. Then some shit happens to her. And she has to toughen up, and she just goes right into murdering people. <laughs> uh, correction, it's not murdering because it's lawful killing. So she just goes right into murking people, and and then, but she doesn't lose her heart. In fact, she has a great moment where she's like, "That guy was not a criminal. That guy was a victim." And I already, you know, I'm not going to spoil the rest of that line. But the point is that she manages to make the transition into uber badass without losing any of who she is, and that's tough to pull off without coming off as bad writing. So. so here's the crazy thing. Do you know what the budget for this was? Very low, if I remember correctly. $45 million. Do you know how much the original Judge Dredd's budget was? How much? $90 million. And that's difference is actually going to be much higher because those movies are separated by like 30 years. Yes. So. Half the budget, and they made it work. Like, this does not look like a low-budget movie. The effects, the costumes, everything about this, you can tell they were stretching the pennies till they, you know, turned to copper wire. Oh, the costumes, too, managed to do something that is very, very difficult to do because I hate it when adaptations take aesthetics and bastardize them to make them look gritty or realistic or something like that. Like, it happened to the X-Men, and I'll never forgive it. So you would think that would happen here because the Dread outfits in the comic are crazy. But honestly... The, the military look where everything is very sleek. It just looks like flat jackets and, and the helmets being like, you know, very tight and controlled. It all looks very functional. And in this world, in this setting with this tone, it works so perfectly that like, like dread looks like a force of nature sometimes. Like he's going to destroy everything in his path. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's a great, there's tons of great shows. Like, I don't know. Also, we haven't talked about it. We should. The, this is some incredibly well shot well done action you know uh yeah you know why though because it's really simple they don't go over the top it's not like there's no gun kata there's not like big long chases it's mostly 
Dred's in a, a room. He sees that people start shooting at him. He figures out what the best way to shoot at them is and then does it. It's extremely simple, but it's shot so well. <laughs> well, it's interesting because this is still coming in the times of action is really whipping around. The camera whips around. It hasn't gotten to super kind of cut, 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 cut yet. Uh, Jason Bourne stuff. That, Jason yeah. Bourne. But we are still are dealing with the kind of Michael Bay put the camera on an RC car. Sidebar, I want to be very clear. The this hyper-cutting, uh, shaky cam stuff can work. It actually does work in the first Jason Bourne movies. But that's because if you look behind the scenes, they actually didn't know what they were doing. They did choreograph good fighting. Shaky cam hyper-cutting is bad when it's used to cover up bad choreography. So Yeah. Anyway. So no, this didn't have this. This is this is just like it, and it's 90 minutes. Like it is just all around fun, general good action. Glad you. A tight that. movie. The more movies I go see in the last two years, the more I said I, I said it in our recordings a couple times. If you're longer than 90 minutes, you gotta really justify yourself to me because I start I start tuning out at about the 105 minute mark. And Dread doesn't overstay its welcome at all. In fact, it it's so. So well done, so well paced. There's no fat to trim yep. that by the time it's done, I immediately want more. So, and I'd rather end a movie wanting more than end a movie being like, oh man, finally. You know? No, I re- I remember when I first watched this finishing, going, God damn, I wish I'd seen that in the theaters. That would have been awesome. Yeah, and then real quick to retouch on this, it cannot be overstated just how good of a job Carl Urban does. I mentioned his yeah. facial acting and his and his voice, but it's just like a lot of little things. Like he really seems to understand like how this character functions inherently. It's just little things like like how he he moves and how he just holds his view on something for a second or in one of the best scenes of the movie, which I don't want to spoil fully, but another character seems to have the upper hand on him and and Dredd just goes, wait, because he can see something that that person who has an upper hand on him doesn't. And he's not the kind of person to brag or or do anything more than he has to. He's just the one word gets the effect he needs, which is to stall. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, this is a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite, you know, action movies. I can't say enough good things about this. Same. Hence why it's number five of my top 100 movies. Like Dread is amazing. Carl Urban has gone on record in saying that he loved loved the character Dread. He loved making it. He tried to get it like more of it made for a long time, but there just wasn't the box office for it. So the, per, the production studios didn't believe in it. It's basically it gives me the same vibes as Perlman and Hellboy, where like yep. he very obviously loves the character and wants to do it. They just won't let him do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it's it's what's that time. No, this worked out great as a uh, first episode because it's a movie we both love. That's another reason why I chose that one. So I could have chosen SLC Putt, whatever one movie, but then it would just be basically me talking, and I thought Dread was a better one to talk about. There's always next time. Yep. Okay. So uh, anything else to – I don't know how we want to end this, so (laughs) I guess – Go watch Dread. Rent it. Yes. Buy it. Whatever. Last time I checked, it was on Netflix, but I don't know if it's still there, but hopefully it is. But yes, go watch it. Then you can be on, you can tell us what you think about it. If you, if you don't like it, well, then I feel bad for you. But if you do like it, then, then get on this hype train with us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. Be sure to do all of the, the things, the like, sharing, subscribing, only if you want to. I mean, we would like it. It would help us, but only do it if you feel like it. If you, if we entertained you, 
then go ahead and do that. And you can do it on any of these fine, fine platforms. They are SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the FiresideAlliance.com. And if you'd really like to help us and you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and give us five stars because that somehow helps in the grand algorithm, even though the algorithm is kind of this weird eldritch being we keep sacrificing to and hoping it works in our favor. As always, this has been Axel Wright. <laughs> and it's your brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.